God is good. All the time. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How many of you are so thankful to the Lord that he has redeemed us with his precious blood? That he has extended to us, you know, his grace of forgiveness. If you have a, your Bible, would you please turn it with me to Matthew chapter 18. And I would like us, you know, to uh, once again welcome our online campus, everyone that is connected with us online. I know that this message is not just for us here in the sanctuary, but for everyone, you know, that's going to hear this message tonight. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. If I may read this to you. In verse 21, then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? I mean, that's a good number that the apostle Peter, you know, has given the Lord Jesus Christ. But verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Practically what the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, is telling his disciples, you and I, that we are, if we are to forgive, there should not be limit to what we can forgive or to how we can forgive or how many times, you know, we can forgive. Because at the moment we put limit on our opportunities to forgive, then we are practically limiting God to forgive us. Because we know that God has no limit. We cannot outgive God, correct? And we cannot also outforgive Him. The reason for that is because God knows that we cannot redeem ourselves. He needs to make a lot of room for His mercy, for His grace, and for His forgiveness. And God has chosen to forgive us, to redeem us, to show His love, grace, and mercy to us in Christ Jesus. Not because we are worthy, not because we are deserving, because God knows that we owe Him. So like what Pastor Jordan was telling us a while ago. We owe God. We owe great debt to God. Far greater than anything that we can repay. And yet God has chosen to forgive us in Christ Jesus. But in the same way, God wants us to extend the same forgiveness to others. That's why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ forgave you. Hallelujah. Now, for many of us here, we have no problem to forgive. Is there anybody over here that has something that you cannot forgive? Somebody you cannot forgive? 
I mean, for most of, you know, most of the sins, most of the offenses, you know, we can, you know, we can easily forgive. But for some people, that when something that is so grievous, so shameful and so hurting and so painful that was done against them, that must be the occasion that, it's be very, that it could be very hard to forgive. I want to share to you something that will demonstrate to us the amazing power of forgiveness. Many of us here will remember the tragedy that took place back in June 17, 2015. When there was a mass killing that took place in a church in Charleston, South Carolina. Emmanuel AME Church. It was, on a, it was on a Friday night that they were having a Bible study. This is an African-American church. And they love the Lord Jesus Christ so much that they welcome everybody to their church. But until that fatal night, that there is a 21-year-old white supremacist by the name of by the name of Dylan Roof. He's a white, you know, he's a white supremacist decided, you know, to target me, to target the church. But he was welcome. And he was shown love, you know, by that, by that group. It was led by the time by a state senator, Reverend Clementa Pinckney. And the senior pastor was there. Then towards, you know, towards the end, this white supremacist boy... Dylan Roof, 21-year-old, started shouting at them, you know, with, you know, with, you know, with rage, race hatred and inflammatory statements. And not only that, but he started unloading, you know, unloading his ammunition and started firing his gun, you know, on that Bible study group in that church. Nine were killed at that night. And it was the following morning that the uh, police authorities were able to, was able to catch Dylan Roof in North Carolina. He was, you know, he was brought, you know, he was brought to trial. In December of 1916, he was found guilty of 33 federal hate crimes and murder charges. And January of the following year of, 19, of 2017, that he was sentenced to death. So justice, you know, justice is being served, you know, for that, you know, for that young man. Probably you would think that, you know, that the family was rejoicing. That, you know, that the family was so thankful that they could, you know, that they could exact some kind of revenge and punishment on the white supremacists. On the day of the sentence hearing, here we will see, you know, the power, the amazing power of forgiveness. 
None, you know, none of the families of these victims you know, were conferring with one another with what they're going to say during the sentence hearing. As normally that is being done on a sentence hearing, that the families of the victims are given opportunity to speak some words towards the perpetrator. And probably, um, you know, most of the time, you know, we hear people unloading, you know, unloading their, you know, their, their anger, you know, their, you know, their, you know, their emotional outbursts at the person who took the life of their loved one. But not in this case. Not in this case. I was researching on this, and I was able to find. Those words that were spoken by the families of the victims, you know, during that sentence hearing. And I want you to listen to them. There is one word here by Nadine Collier, daughter of victim Ethel Lance. This is what she said. This is what she said to Delan Roof, the white supremacists were killed. You know, his, her, her loved one. She said, I forgive you. You took something very pre precious away from me. I will never get to talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you. And have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But if God forgives you. I forgive you. Then another family member, a relative of Myra Thompson, one of the victims, and this is what she said. I would just like him to know that to say the same thing that was just said, I forgive him and my family forgives him. But we would like him to take this opportunity to repent. Confess. Give your life to the one who matters most, Jesus Christ. So that he can change, he can change you and change your ways. No matter what happens, you will be okay. They're preaching the gospel to him, Pastor. During that sentence hearing. Telling them that he, they're willing to forgive him. But they want him to confess. They want him to repent and turn his life to Jesus. Another family, Felicia Sanders, mother of Tiwansa Sanders said, We welcome you. We welcome you Wednesday night in our Bible study with welcome arms. You have killed some of the most beautiful people that I know. Every fiber in my body hurts and I'll never be the same. Tiwansa Sanders was my son, but Tiwansa was my hero. May God have mercy on you. Then Wanda Simmons' granddaughter of Danielle Simmons said, Although my grandfather and the other victims died at the hands of hate, this is proof that everyone's plea for your soul is proof that they live in love and, and their legacies will live on in love. 
So hate won't win. And I just want to thank the court for making sure that hate doesn't win. And then lastly, the sister of the pain Middleton doctor said, that was my sister. And I'd like to thank you on behalf of my family for not allowing hate to win. For me, I'm a work in progress. And I acknowledge that I'm very angry. But one thing that the pain always enjoined in our family is she taught me that we are a family that love built. We have no room for hating. So we have to forgive. And I pray God for your soul. In Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 25, verses 23 to 24, Jesus said, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother. And then come and present your offering. This is exactly what the members, the family of these victims did. They were so thankful to the Lord. For the wonderful salvation and the wonderful life that God has given them. But they have decided during that night... That before they can thank the Lord, that they decided you know, to leave their offering at the altar. And go and speak to the person, to the man that killed their loved ones. And offer them their forgiveness. Offer them their mercy and their compassion to the point of even sharing the gospel with him. They have done this at the expense of their personal pain. In agony. How many of us can do that? Let me tell you something. With men, those things are impossible. But with God, we can always live and operate in the great, powerful love of God. They decided to love. They decided to show mercy. They decided to show forgiveness. Now, for the past several weeks, I've been blessed of reading the uh, life story and teachings and works and accomplishment of a great man of God. His name is John M. Perkins. John Perkins is one of the leading evangelical voices during the civil rights movement. He was, leader, he was a leader in the community development and racial reconciliation. He was born back in June of 1930. He is now 90 years old and still preaching. Preaching love, not hatred. 
preaching reconciliation. I mean, he has, you know, he has impacted, you know, a lot of people, a lot of lives, you know, with his, you know, with his ministry. But it was not easy for him. Because when he was, you know, when he was a young teenager, he grew up in New Hebron, Mississippi. During the civil, during the civil rights struggle. He has an older brother who served in World War II. When that older brother came back to Mississippi, after serving in World War II, his brother was gunned down by white police officers. He has to rush, you know, he has to rush his brother to the hospital in the car. His brother was laying down on his lap, John Perkins' lap, bleeding to death. His brother died, you know, on that same day. Now with John Perkins, back in 1970, he joined, you know, he joined you know, a civil rights demonstration. And as a result of that, you know, he was, you know, he was picked up by the white police officers. And they started beating him, beating him down. Almost to the point that he almost died you know, at the hands of those white police officers. But God spared his life. Because God has a purpose for him. At the time, at the time, I mean, he could have chosen, you know, to be hateful. To have revenge. But what he did... Instead of seeking hatred and revenge, he said, we've got to walk in forgiveness. He quoted 1 John chapter 1 verse 7 when he said, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' son purifies us from all sin. From the time on when he surrendered his life to our Lord Jesus Christ, he sought to promote peace and, and, and forgiveness and racial reconciliation. He even gathered, you know, he even gathered many of the church leaders during the time. And back in 1989, they started a movement that they called Community, Christian Community Development Association. They were going into Poor urban communities and helping the poor, helping the needy, you know, to improve, you know, to improve their lives. And as a result of that, God, you know, God has used this great man. Why? Because he decided that he's not going to hate. He decided that he's willing to forgive. He decided that he is willing to work at reconciliation. Reconciling not just, you know, not just within the African community, but even in other nationalities. Even with his white, you know, with his white brethren. Brothers and sisters, there is a problem that our nation is facing right now.
We need to start calling this racial divide as a disease. And no over-the-counter human solutions can fix this problem. Because, you know, this problem has become so big that no amount of human solutions, you know, can heal the divide and even heal the deep wounds that have developed over the course of time. This is a God-sized problem, Pastor, and it needs a God-sized solution. Only God can heal this racial cancer, this racial wound. And he has chosen his son, Jesus Christ, to give us the path towards forgiveness and towards reconciliation. But he has entrusted the mission to us, the church. We, the church, have to carry out God's message of love, mercy, forgiveness, compassion, and reconciliation. That's why the Apostle Paul said, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. But in order, you know, in order for us to be used by the Lord, we need first to be able to see and understand what the problem is. You know, with the racial, you know, with the racial divide, you know, of our land. Because the problem is, there is a gaping hole in our gospel. That a lot of Christians are willing to claim that they be reconciled to God, but that they're not being willing to be reconciled with their brothers and sisters who don't look like them. But we call them brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because we share the same blood with them. We are one blood with our brethren. And not only that, we have been redeemed by the precious blood of our Lord, you know, of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has chosen to forgive us in Christ Jesus. You know, this problem, you know, this problem that, you know, that we're having right now is so huge, so big. But he's chosen you and me in order that we can be a carrier of his love, of his mercy, of his grace, and of his forgiveness. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ told the apostle Peter. You are not only to forgive up to, 70, up to seven times, but 70 times seven. Because this is how it will take for you to be able to reconcile people to God and people with one another. And it's got to start within us. 
It's got to start within us. Let me read this scripture to you. In 1st John, 1st Gospel of John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. And I would like to ask you know, the worship team to start finding their way back to the stage. First John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. If someone says, I love God and hate his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. We are living right now in a time where there's so much hatred, so much fighting, and so much quarrel. Look what's happening right now in the major cities of America. Everyone is fighting one another. What are we doing as a church? Because we know that we have, you know, the powerful weapon. We know that we have the powerful force. We have the power of God's love. And we need to continue preaching the gospel of love. The gospel of reconciliation. And not just preaching it, but living it. Showing it to our brothers and sisters, to one another, to our neighbors, to the people that are around us. It's got to start within us, brothers and sisters. Because if the church will not do his mission, nobody else will. We are the only one. You are the only one. You are the only one that God, that God has chosen. Brothers and sisters, we have become God's plan A. And if you ask me, if God has plan A, what is plan B? No, there is no plan B. Because Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you. Till the end of time. We are God's plan. You and I. So. We will not be able to solve. This problem. Right at this very moment. Because it will only take God. To heal. What's happening right now. In our nation. But what we can do. Is to allow God to use us. Look at John Perkins. When he was, you know, when he was beaten up by the white police officers during, you know, during the civil rights struggle. He could have given up. He could have chosen the way of hatred. He could have chosen to take revenge. But he has chosen Jesus. He has chosen to follow our Lord Jesus Christ. And he has chosen to preach forgiveness rather than hate. And to reconcile brothers with one another. Brothers and sisters, we can choose the same path. 
that this brother has chosen and as a result, he was able to change and transform the lives of many. I'd like everyone to please stand. In Psalm 139, there's a prayer there that I believe will help us in our prayer time right now. The prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Would that be our prayer tonight? Will you allow God to search your mind and your heart? See if there's anything in there that may not be willing to forgive. That may not be willing to show mercy. That may not be willing to extend love. Will you allow God? Search your heart and your mind. While every head is bowed down, every eye is closed. And I also would like to speak to our brothers and sisters connecting with us online. I extend this invitation to you. To allow God. Search your mind. Search your heart. To open your heart to Jesus right at this very moment. If there is any hurtful thing inside of us, any amount, any amount of indifference or unwillingness to forgive, to love, to show mercy, to give, to show generosity, Jesus Christ can change. Remember, when the Lord Jesus Christ preached this to us, He Himself has chosen the path of forgiveness. Do you remember when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross? He was beaten, He was tortured, He was nailed, crucified. But there, while hanging on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ prayed to the Father, Father, forgive them! For they do not know what they're doing. Jesus has also chosen to forgive those people who had crucified Him. Will you choose Him today? I would like you to follow me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for speaking your word of love and mercy to me. Just like you, Jesus, I have chosen the way of forgiveness, the way of love, and the way of mercy. I thank you that because through your death on the cross, you have made it possible for me to experience not just your forgiveness, but for me to be able to forgive others as well. 
I invite you now, Lord, to become the Lord of my life and to become my personal Savior. I pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. And amen. Hallelujah.